Welcome in to another edition of Divorce Force Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm very excited to introduce the next guest. She is currently the CEO of Harris County Houston Sports Authority, which brings a ton of events to the Houston area. Most recently, the 2026 World Cup. Please welcome Janice Burke, everybody. Woo woo. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Yes, welcome on the show. And I know, you know, I appreciate coming on with, you know, your schedule being hectic, always crazy. But I always like to start off, where did sports begin for you? Whether you were an athlete growing up or just going to sporting events as a fan with friends and family? Yeah, so I participated in sports, um, youth sports, my most of my life. Um, I was a roller skater. I was a diver. I did gymnastics. I was on the pom-pom squad. I mean, I just always was really active. <laughs> um, and so it was, it was a big part of my life. I didn't know that it was a great part of my career, but i um, really thankful that it has become a part of my career because it's a really exciting, um, exciting industry to work in. Exactly. And you are a huge part of, you know, sports tourism events in the Houston area. Uh, so talk about how you got to that side of bringing, you know, sporting events to certain cities. How did you get on that path in your career? Yeah, so um, I started in the hospitality industry years ago working at a hotel. Our hotel happened to be positioned where we were next to the Pontiac Silverdome way back when, when, when the football team played there, there <laughs> on the Pontiac. Um, and also... Um, we were near the Palace of Armored Hills. So our hotel became a great uh, place for the athletes to stay. And, and so I learned the professional sports side of things uh, uh, from the hospitality industry. But then we also, um, we were pretty much a corporate hotel during the week, but on the weekends really needed business. So we started down this path of, of booking amateur sporting events and tournaments. And I worked closely with the Convention Visitors Bureau and um, before long, they asked me to join their team. So instead of selling a hotel, I was selling a region, a three-county region um, in the Detroit area. And then from there, I just started getting tapped and asked by cities around the country uh, to help them uh, with the marketing and putting themselves on the map. So I moved around pretty good at the sales and marketing side of things. But when I was asked to come to Houston, it was my first time doing just sports and also overseeing um, a huge bond debt service for the stadiums that, that we uh, built. Yeah, that's huge. And I want to touch on that hospitality environment. I mean, it's so important, in, you know, especially with tourism and things. It's so vital, you know, to have that experience. And you can really carry that over on the sports side, right? Yeah, for sure. And I remember I was so young and um, so <laughs> into just making sure that my clients' needs were met and serviced. And so a lot of times I'd have, you know, a famous basketball player. Um, I remember one time didn't feel well and needed a ride to the drugstore. And I'm like, sure, I'll take you up to the drugstore. And here I'm in my little car and you know, <laughs> he's got these really long legs. And and um, so I take him up and he gets his cold medicine or whatever, and pops back in the car. I drop him off at the hotel. He goes up to his room and the front desk staff is all like, do you know who that was? And I'm like, no, have no, I had no idea, <laughs> you know? So it was just like, 
things like that, that I was so focused, not on the glamour of it, but, but really taking care of the clients and the business side of it and making sure that we had enough people at the front desk to check them in when we had big football teams all checking in at the same time so we could quickly get them to their room and, you know, just things like that. Um, making sure that, you know, we had a room for their videos to be set up so that they could watch at the last minute all, you know, when the coach wanted to show videos, um, to the team, you know, things like that. So I was so focused on that, that I really didn't get into, Oh, can I get your autograph or get your picture? And then, and people just thought it was this really glamorous thing that I was doing. And for me, I, I really wasn't even paying attention to that side of it. Yes. And I think that's huge, especially now. I mean, of course, you know, uh, if, if you're no matter what level of sports, you know, you're around coaches, players, and you know, it's like, Oh, you know, the, you get an awesome times, but how important is it, especially for young professionals who want to get into the industry to not get focused on that aspect and just having an opportunity to focus on whether it's an internship or job. Hey, it's a business and you want to come in and do what you need to do. Exactly. And make sure that, um, you really understand what you're getting into because again, behind the scenes, planning an event with all the details, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of young interns we work with here that are really good at the dust side of it. And then they get out on the field and they're not so good on the <laughs> physical side where you work in really long hours and you might be lugging ice behind the scenes or whatever. Yes. And then vice versa. We have some that are really good um, at the actual event, um, but in the office and doing all the paperwork that needs to be done and the, and the details of getting ready. These bids um, sometimes take years and sometimes it's a quick turnaround, but sometimes it's years in the making. So, you know, you have to kind of be good at both and have a balance and um, not everybody is cut out for that. So um, it's, you know, it, it does seem glamorous. I know. And it is a fun industry. Trust me. Every part <laughs> of it is so fun. Of course. <laughs> because you're, uh, sports is the great unifier and it affects your community that you work and live in. And there's the health and wellness side. And so sports is this really uh, wonderful industry, but there's also the business side of it. And that's where, you know, we have to focus. Yeah. I love that. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there that of course there's time to celebrate those big wins and of course, you know, with getting different events coming to the city, but you mentioned it, it's, it is a business. There's, there's time to celebrate and then there's time to get down to the nitty gritty stuff as well. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so talk about your role uh, at the Houston sports authority. How did you get that opportunity? And you've been there for over 16 years, which is amazing. Uh, so talk about that. Yeah. So, um, I always tell people, you never know who you're sitting next to at a luncheon or um, who's watching you network <laughs> a room at a reception. And, and so always just do the job at hand and do it with all your might and, um, and doors will open for you and you, and be genuine about it. Um, so I was working in San Antonio. I was the acting executive director. It was a city department at the time, and there was a trade mission over in Japan. The governor asked for every major city, Austin, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, please send someone. Dr. Toyota was opening a plant in San Antonio, the city where I was working, and he really wanted a great presence from Texas since he was spending all this money, you know, business-wise in Texas. And he 
actually even gave a $5 million grant um, to help with the travel and to get a good uh, contingency there. So most of the people that traveled were elected officials and dignitaries from city, county side of things. And then in San Antonio, um, our city departments, there was no one that could go. And there was a very small I guess, program for tourism. We were working with the state office under the governor's economic development office. Um, and so we were going to entertain um, some um, some folks that make decisions about tourism. So there was, since there was a small part of it, they said, Janice, will you go and will you be our city's delegate and representative? And I said, sure. Even though most of it was business side of things, not necessarily, and in, in, in a lot of economic development side of things, not necessarily tourism. Um, but there was a small portion. So I said, sure, I'll go and represent um, our city. And I'll never forget because it was summertime um, <laughs> over there and it was super hot. And, you know, in Houston, it can be hot, but we blast our air conditioning indoors. And there, like in the hotels or the bus, it would trickle out. And I'd be like, why aren't they blasting the air conditioning? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was just so hot and I had this, I bought this little fan that attached to my phone and I would like, fan, oh my God, be fanning myself and everybody would be like, I'll pay you for that. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so again, sometimes these trips sound glamorous, but it was actually, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so hot. Um, and you know, and it was these long days and most of the itinerary had nothing to do with tourism, but I thought, gosh, my city is paying a lot of money. My company is paying, you know, money for me to be out of the office. I'm just going to join everything and I'm going to help them sell Texas. And so I got to know all of these elected officials and I would go and even if it was business oriented and I would network the room and just tell people how great Texas was or how great my city in San Antonio was. And and then um, I guess people were watching that and when the position opened up and we, we all came home, we were there for 10 days. And when I got back to San Antonio, I always kept in touch with the people I had met. Um, and when the position opened up, Oliver Luck um, had just moved to become the president of the new MLS team that was starting here in Houston and had left his post and they were doing a national search. And the elected officials are the ones that called the board because my board is appointed by um by the mayor and city council and then on the county side by the county commissioner's court and so they all started calling the the board members and the search committee from that from the board saying we want you to get in touch with uh this this woman named janice um from san antonio and she was in japan with us we know her and we think she'd be great and so i started getting these calls and i kept saying no i can't i, I was a single mom at the time and i had just moved my kids and they, they'd been, only been there two years and they were really settled in high school and so I said, thank you so much. I'm flattered, but no. And so finally, one of the elected officials called me and said, we really need you to at least come and see our city, see these new stadiums we've just built. And at the very least, tell our search committee what they should be looking for, because we want this organization to kind of become the official sports marketing agency for the region. And you have that experience. So anyway, I flew here, make a long story short, after about six months, I... Um, ended up taking the job because it was just this offer I couldn't refuse. I looked around and I said, this is a tremendous opportunity. And um, my, my poor son, he was a senior going into senior. Yeah. I 
he was a senior in high school. Um, my daughter was a sophomore and, you know, so it was a hard move for them. Um, they went away to college. They both moved back to Houston. They love it here. And, um, so I guess they're not mad at me anymore, but, um, it's ended up being a great, a great, uh, <laughs> career move. I love that. And you talk about the persistence and even like saying no at first and then jumping in right away. That's, that's really amazing and just taking the opportunity. So you, you go for it and, you know, what were some of the goals? Obviously, bringing in more events and getting Houston on the map as far as sporting events goes. So what was some of the key initiatives when you first came to Houston that were top of mind for yourself? Well, the board really hired me because of my sales and marketing background. And they really, you know, we have these new state-of-the-art buildings, um, beautiful venues, um, but they really wanted to put Houston on the map, an international map as well as national, um, as one of the best sports towns or, or cities to do, to host sporting events. And um, I left, I don't know, we were probably at the time close to 100 employees, um, and so, you know, I knew I was walking into a smaller organization that we would have to build. And I remember the first time um, saying, okay, well, who norm, who, I looked around and I'm thinking, okay, there's not very many people here and we're not putting much money towards us. So who, you know, do, normally like writes your press releases? <laughs> oh, well, that's what we hired you to do. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and who normally, you know, goes on the sales calls and, you know, and bids for the events and well, that's what we hired you to do. Okay. <laughs> um, and so it was, it was every, all fingers were pointing to me for everything. And then I said, all right, well, let's take a look at the budget. And they had, um, about $30,000 allocated where I had in San Antonio had millions of dollars to brand wow. the city, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we started out, um, really uh, taking small steps. And then I remember saying, okay, why don't we go bid for the AAU Junior Olympics? It's it's really big. It'll bring about 50,000 people to town, about 15 different sports. And it's aimed at kids between ages five and 18 that compete in these various sports. I think Houston could host it. I know them um, because I had booked this in Detroit and um, I just knew, knew the people making the decisions. And so I went to my board and they were like scared out of their minds. They're like, no, no, no. Like we've hosted, you know, the bowling, NCAA bowling championships and <laughs> um, things that much smaller where we bring in several hundred people. But Janice, there's no way we can pay a bid fee of a couple hundred thousand dollars. And there's no way that we can host, I don't think with the staff, we have something that large. And so I said, um, okay, well, what if I just go partner with the Convention and Visitors Bureau? That was my world. I had worked with um, CVBs. I knew that they'd be interested. It's a lot of uh, hotel room nights filling up, you know, mm -hmm. all these hotels. And so I went and um, brokered a deal with them. They, they put up the bid fee dollars. I told them I'd do all the work and that I would pay them back at the end um, for the money they put forth. And um, so we did the event. It was really successful. It was one of the best they had ever had. Texas is a really big uh, market for them. And the attendance was great off the charts. And so anyway, um, and, and I did that event mostly with volunteers and interns back then because we didn't have a staff yet. <laughs> and so, um, and so at the end I send a check 
over to the Convention Business Bureau, thank them for being my partner and stepping up and, you know, putting that money up and believing that we could do it. And um, he tells me, the head of the CVB at that time um, said, Janice, I never thought you would pay us back. <laughs> he said, I really thought, eh. It's still worth it because it was so many people coming to town. It was great for all our hotel members and our restaurants and um, transportation, you know, members. But he said, I honestly didn't think we'd ever see that money again. And when you brought that check, that was just icing on the cake. And, and so that really started our path. And I look back at that. That was over 16 years ago. And now there is nothing that our city or my board of directors doesn't think we can do. They believe in um, the mission and they believe that we can put on great sporting events. And so that was our humble beginnings though. That's amazing. And you talk about just bringing, you know, that event and with the opportunity, just having that go-getter attitude, you know, what were some, you know, key things that you did there Obviously, working with the CVBs, making sure you got them paid. That's always important. <laughs> um, <laughs> getting those checks signed. Uh, right. What were some of the other key things that really helped? Uh, obviously, you had those relationships as well. Uh, but were, what are some other key things that you did well or made that happen that really got that across the finish line? Well, I think, um, again, starting from humble beginnings and, and building that volunteer database because the volunteers really helped me put the event on and then um, building a robust intern program because the interns helped me write the bid and helped <laughs> me with all of the site visits and everything we needed to organize around that. Um, and and we we still have a strong um, internship program in a strong volunteer base that really started back in those days out of necessity. Um, and they help welcome our guests and they help, you know, we have 2,500 different people that will will help us put on the men's uh, the NCA men's final four next year, um, 2023. So, building that from the very beginning was great. I think also one of the things I did not realize when I stepped into the job because I wasn't from Houston was kind of this feeling almost um, an inferiority complex against Dallas. Um, Dallas was hosting much more major sporting events at the time, um, and not understanding, and maybe it's a humbleness and it maybe it wasn't, inf it wasn't inferiority as much as humbleness because people would say, oh my goodness, you came from San Antonio. What do you think of Houston? And what do you think about our heat? And I say, <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I, I love Houston and I love the diversity and I love the energy here and um, no pun intended because of the energy companies. Um, but no, just the energy, this can-do spirit here mm -hmm. and this philanthropic spirit. And I love it. And then all of a sudden, then people would be like, yeah, I've lived here my whole life. Isn't it great? And I'm like, okay, next time start with that when you ask me um, if I if I like working here in Houston. But I think, so going back, there was also, it was a tumultuous time, honestly, because even though the building's were built, there were still 50% of our citizens that felt like we shouldn't have built them and used tax dollars. And then 50% that said, well, no, we had to. We couldn't be the fourth largest city and third largest county in the United States and lose all our pro teams. Because what had happened is the NFL team, which was the Houston Oilers, mm -hmm. wanted a new building. The city and county said, well, 
we can't build a new building right now, but how about we give you money to put in, you know, upgrade the suites, put in the things you need at the Astrodome. And they did a handshake deal and that money was put in. And a year later, Buddy Adams still moved the team to Tennessee. They became the Tennessee Titans. And the Rockets, the Astros were getting courted by other cities as well. And they wanted new buildings as well. And so I think at that time, again, half the citizens realized why they needed to come up with a plan and why our organization needed to help get these buildings built and, and take in visitor tax dollars. They're not property tax dollars. They're not, it wasn't put on the backs of the residents. It's really hotel tax and car rental tax. So it's the visitors coming into the city um, that got these buildings built. But I, I think there was, there was sort of this feeling of, well, the Harris County Houston Sports Authority is just government gone amok. Um, the buildings are built, they should just go away. Not realizing that we owned the $1.2 billion of a bond debt service. So if we went away, someone's got to take that over. Either the city or county, it's got to be put on their books. Um, and they didn't want to put it on their books because what if a COVID hits and there are no hotel room nights being sold or, or um, cars being rented, right? So that would affect the city and the county bonds and, and, and how they could do business. So there, it was complex, but the community didn't necessarily understand it. And they didn't mm -hmm. always understand the benefit of having these pro teams. So I spent the first couple of years really building um, the confidence uh, that we could go after these events, building the rapport with all the organizations we needed to work really well with, including our tenants that, that are the professional sports teams in these buildings. And then third, really just teaching our community of why it's important to have these teams, what it does for you. It's the marketing wing beneath your, or wind beneath your wings, but it's also, um, they, they bring great benefit. And so, I think when I first came, I was all gung-ho. I'm just going to go out and sell and bring all the, the business. But I really had to take a step back and really lay the foundation first. And for people to understand our organization and that we were going to be frugal with the money. We were going to um, spend it wisely. And we were going to bring these great events that otherwise would not have come. If you don't have an agency out there selling it, they won't come because every big city wants these events. And if you don't have these new venues, these beautiful venues, they're not going to come because other cities have venues that will meet the client needs better. So, you know, I look at it now, 2023, we have NCAA men's final four, 2024, we have college football playoffs, 2025, we have the junior Olympics coming again, 2026 world cup. You have these major events, but it's because we're all working together in unison we have, it's because we built these new buildings. It's because we have great volunteers. So there's a lot of reasons why. Um, and, you know, I don't take all the credit for that. It was just, I was in the right place at the right time. Yeah, that's huge. And you just touched on the incredible events that are coming in the near future. Uh, talk about those. Obviously each one is different in the way you bid for them, but kind of describe the process and what did each one kind of, how did that work? And, you know, from start to finish, from start, you know, when you guys planning and how do you guys start bidding for an event like that? Yeah, so the major events and, and all of them are a little bit different. So 
you know, if you're going after a Super Bowl, you really need your NFL team. And really the NFL owner is really helping you sell that. If you are going after a men's final four, it's a basketball committee that makes the decision. And you're competing against other major cities that are, are putting their best for, foot forward, just like you are. And so it's a, there is a, a, a very fierce competition happening behind the scenes. Um, and so in Texas, we have a benefit. And the reason you see so many major events between Dallas, San Antonio, and um, Houston, Austin to some extent as well, it is because in Texas, we have an events trust fund um, that a portion of the taxes that are brought into the state are shared with the local community to help put these big events on. And we're super fortunate. A lot of a lot of states don't have that. And that really helps us when bidding for these big mega events. But then sometimes you need creativity because it might be Houston, a city up against a whole country, <laughs> um, especially with an international world championship. And I'll give you kind of an example of one. Um, the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee called me one day and said, look, would you be willing to bid for the table tennis world championships. It's never been hosted in the United States ever in its history. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's a big Asian sport. Um, when you go over to China, you go watch it. It's, it's like watching an NBA game. It's a, it's a stadium full of 22,000 screaming fans for over, you know, a table tennis, um, tournament. And so I didn't know much about the sport, but it was important to the USOPC. And the reason they wanted us to bid on the year that we were bidding is because it was the 50 year anniversary of ping pong diplomacy. And so we looked at it. It was a really tight schedule. We had a lot of events that year and we said, can we, can we push it out of its normal time of year? Could we push it, you know, to Thanksgiving? The rest of the world doesn't think think about our Thanksgiving here in America, we'd have space, we would get good rates, we could make the budget work, maybe if we could push it into that time frame. And they said, Yeah, well, we think we can, we could make that work. They really want to come to the United States. Um, but are a little bit nervous about it. And so because they've never been and not sure how successful ticket sales would be and whatnot. So we started working around this theme of the 50th anniversary of ping pong diplomacy. And we came up with the idea, um, it's China's sport. And if in China endorses us, Houston, Texas, um, the rest of the world would probably listen because we've got to get a vote from every country. <laughs> every country has a vote. <laughs> and we, you know, reached out to them and we said, look, we have someone um, in common, Yao Ming. Yao Ming um, has up there. Um, their, it's like our NBA, but um, their basketball association in China. Um, but he made a home in, at Toyota Center where we would propose to do the finals. Um, and so there's this kind of common bond. Maybe he could endorse both of us. Why don't we go for 2021 on the front end of the 50 year anniversary, China, you go on the back end and let's do a uh, reception together. Well, that had never happened where China and US were doing a reception together right before the night before everyone votes. And so it became this really neat thing. And I reached out to President Nixon's grandson and I said, would you jump on a plane and go with me? This is kind of a tribute to your grandfather um, because ping pong diplomacy ha happened under his regime. And he said, yes, I love that idea. And we got Yao Ming to endorse us. And then we, we contacted some of those original athletes 
that went to China that were still alive and they um, came with us. And so it became this really great celebration. And lo and behold, we present, we win, we're high-fiving, um, China wins, we're high-fiving them, they're high-fiving us, we're hugging. And, you know, pictures of that were taken and it made it all over the newspapers in China. It was a really big deal for China. And when we got ready to host, COVID hit. And we had to cancel because we couldn't get all these countries in. There was no way to, I mean, we just couldn't do it. And so we ended up canceling, um, moving the event um, later in the year and still hosting it, but really rough getting everybody, you know, there were different COVID restrictions. There were different vaccines. Um, it was a hard event, right? But I'm proud to say at that event, we had 30,000 attendees that people wow. from Houston that bought a ticket and came. It was a huge success. And the ping pong diplomacy, we did a dinner right before and all the elected officials came and um, that took a life of its own on. But it, what started out as a strategy to win the bid became a really important integral part of the entire event. And I'll never forget our Asian community here many of them who attended the event, I think we sold 600 tickets to the dinner, ping pong diplomacy dinner to kick off the, the competition. And they came up to me with tears and said, you don't understand. In America, I think you thought it was a really neat, you know, ping pong diplomacy. Oh, that isn't that cool. We're using sports to uh, break down in um, walls and, and have relationships. But for us, we wouldn't be living here in the United States if ping pong diplomacy hadn't happened. And so for us, this is, this is really an important anniversary. And so um, I think through sports, again, there's lots of ways to touch a community. Um, there's lots of ways when we're bidding that we look at events and say, okay, what does this mean to our community? Can we make the budget work? Can we make the dates work? Um, there's just lots of decisions that are made before we go ahead and bid. But um, some of those untold stories like ping pong, ping pong diplomacy or table tennis being held in the United States for the first time right here in Houston. Those are the stories that I love to tell. Of course. And that's huge. And I love that. And you talk about the connections and bringing people together is huge. And talk about, you know, the World Cup and that planning and that execution. Uh, obviously, the World Cup Every four years, there has been some talks that it may happen every two years, but I don't know. FIFA is, uh, you know, it's holding every four years. I think that's pretty strong at this point. And with Houston getting a bid for 2026, you know, kudos to your team and uh, the city, the mayor, everything that you guys did to get a to host uh, matches. So talk about that and how exciting is it for you guys to have an opportunity to host one of the biggest events uh, coming to the Houston area? Yeah, for me, it was about a decade of work. Um, I'll go back 10 years ago. Mm. We, we knew that the United States was going to want to bid again. And at the time, I didn't know it was going to be the U.S., Mexico, and Canada joining together and having for the first time three countries host. But I knew the USA was interested in bidding again. And if you go back to 1994, when Houston wasn't even considered for um, 
a, to be a host city and they weren't at the table really. Um, Dallas was a host city, but Houston was not. And so I knew we had a little bit of work to do to prove to the world that we were this great soccer town. And, you know, we had an MLS team that we didn't have back in 1994, of course, and we had uh, built a new stadium um, during my time here. And so um, we had all of the reasons to show the world that, yes, we should be considered. And so we started bidding for everything. We hosted friendlies, we bid for the NCAAs equivalent to a final four for basketball. It's their final four um, soccer. We did worked with CONCACAF and we did gold cups. We did Copa de America. I mean, everything that we could do and whether it was a hard event to sell tickets to or an easy event, we just put all of our muscle behind it. And the smaller events we put at our MLS stadium and the bigger events we put at our energy stadium, which is our football stadium. And between the two, we were just hosting international soccer all the time to the point when we got to the bid process for world cup, our city had hosted more soccer events than any other city in America. Wow. <laughs> and, and so that strategy started a long time ago. And then when we made it to the bid that was submitted to FIFA, there were at the time 17 us cities still left. Um, the cities in Canada and Mexico had been chosen pretty much, but, but there were 17 great cities left in the United States, all of them capable of hosting a great event. Mm -hmm. um, and so they, and we heard that FIFA was going to narrow it down to 10. And at that point in time, I realized, okay, I've got this huge responsibility on the bond debt service and, and we're still landlords to the teams and um, we have public board meetings and I have men's final four and college football playoffs and all these events that run through our agency. But right now I need somebody on the team who knows soccer inside and out and can get up every single day, just thinking about soccer. And so I went to Chris Canetti, who at the time was the president of our, our, Dash, which is our women's professional sports team, and Dynamo, our men's professional sports team. And he had been there for a little over 12 years. And I said, would you leave your post and come work for us and help me bring this to the finish line? And to his credit, he said yes, because he was leaving a permanent job to come for what could have been a temporary job if we didn't win the bid. And we thought at that time it would be a year. And then COVID hit and it ended up being three and a half years. Um, and Chris had to go raise the money for his salary. He had to go raise the money for all of the bid stuff we had to do um, during that period. And we had to go back out and raise money when it got prolonged and the decision uh, went longer than we thought. But that really paid off because Chris did such a wonderful job for us. And he was able to really get into the community and, and talk about it. Sometimes people will say, is this really bigger than the Super Bowl? And it's like, yes, it's like 10 times bigger. And so being able to, to have somebody full time every day working on that with me was wonderful. We also, the United Bid Committee uh, kind of disband after they won. They, you know, they bid against Morocco and our three countries won. And that was called the United Bid Committee. And all of that staff took other jobs after, you know, the bid was over. And, and so the person, John Christick, who was heading up that bid, 
um, he flew to Houston and I had a conversation with him and I said, John, tell me the truth. If FIFA would have forced <laughs> you to only put 10 cities, would Houston, Houston have made it into that bid? And he said, you know, he kind of him hot around. He said, I, I don't know. You were right on the cusp. And he said, not because you don't deserve it, because now I know all the cities. I know the strengths and the weaknesses. And not because Houston isn't a great soccer town. It's somewhat, though, unknown in Zurich. And to the people in Zurich or to some of the people that would have been voting um, against the other uh, country that we were bidding against, I might have had to put cities that are more well-known. And for that reason, I'm not sure. He said, that's a really tough question. And I said, okay, well, I would like to hire you <laughs> to work with Chris Canetti and the two of you figure out how that is not a trick question or a, a hard question to answer where by the end of, at that time, I thought 12 months, you guys can say emphatically, yes, I feel very confident we're going to be chosen. And he laughed and he said, okay. So um, between the, the two of those um two great guys that really helped bring it to the finish line and give them all the credit in the world, um, as well as John Arnold, our, our volunteer chairman. John Arnold um, is well known here in Houston. Um, he does a lot of philanthropic work and um, just, just a great guy, but hadn't really been involved with our organization ever. I didn't know him. Um, I knew that he liked soccer. I had heard that he liked soccer. Um, because his daughter played soccer. And so I went to him um, with our chairman of the Sports Authority Board and, and asked if he would chair this. And he uh, graciously said yes. So again, really big team effort. Um, you don't win these, these type of bids um, by yourself. It, it really was a, an entire community that came together to help. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, the World Cup being so large, I mean, I think it's – Compared to the thing about, you know, we talk about big events like the Super Bowl. I mean, the World Cup is uh, so many matches, like 80 matches in 2026, with 60 of them being played in the United States. And that's that's amazing. I mean, just to put that in perspective, um, you know, they call soccer the world sport. And that's why it's called that. <laughs> well, yeah, it was certainly the biggest bit I've ever worked on. I mean, it is the world's largest sporting event um it it will be epic i mean we will have five or six matches it'll be 35 days of soccer here in houston uh and it'll it'll the economic impact will be huge but it's it's bigger and much larger than that we have uh committees working on uh, sustainability things and human rights and all of the great areas we can touch through a sporting event um we will do and and that's that's just there's legacy left to a community um there, there's also a side of it that we want to make sure that soccer isn't just for kids in the suburbs and so we're working really hard to make sure it's accessible to every child that wants to play soccer um and we're working on some new fields and, and, and an urban league and some different things that we can do to help yeah, I love that. You touched on the, the community impact um, when you bring these events uh, to the, your city. How important is it to focus on that, too, uh, when you host these events to have a community impact as well and a community initiative? 
That's huge for us. Every event that we do, we have a goal around how are we going to use this platform of this morning event to touch our community? What good can we do? What can come out of it besides just putting on a, a, a really um, good event? And I, I believe that a lot of cities can put on a wonderful event, but how how does it touch their community? How did it impact lives? What did they do beyond just putting on an event that ran smoothly? Yeah, I love that. And I want to touch on something that I'm sure you're very proud of. And Houston as a whole is very diverse uh, in the community and has a diverse uh, demographic. So talk about that and how that has helped, you know, elevate uh, these events for the city as well. Yeah, we're the most diverse city in America, and we we wear that with pride. I think it makes us um, very strong when we're bidding, especially for these international events. And we included the community, um, every aspect of our community on the site visit. Um, when we brought um, FIFA to town to see what we had, we made sure that they got a chance to look around and say, wow, it really is a diverse city. There is not one majority um, ethnic group here in Houston. And I love that about our city. It's a melting pot um, and we work well together and it is our strength. Yeah. I love that. If, you know, for what is your favorite aspect of or favorite thing to do uh, in the Houston area? Oh, wow. I love everything. We've got, we've got the arts We've got, which we actually included in our World Cup bid, by the way. So um, it was during COVID. Artists weren't, they were having a hard time. They weren't working. We needed to raise money. (laughs) Um, And so we started selling these big ceramic balls and and saying to corporations, hey, for uh, a relatively reasonable price, you could buy the ball, you could put an artist to work, you could display it. And whenever FIFA, um, when this COVID is over and FIFA comes to town, we could have these balls all over town. And wouldn't that be a great visual for them? And so it worked. Um, <laughs> but we, you name it, we've got it here, right? We've got uh, the arts community, the theater, the sports. I mean, there is just so much to do in Houston. Our food scene is unbelievable. There's kind of this melting pot again of the cuisine, right? Of of all of these um, different ethnic groups that bring uh, various dishes and the Tex-Mex. And it's just, it's uh, it's really fun to sell the city and it's easy to sell the city um, because I think we have so much going for us. For sure. And I know you guys are excited about World Cup. Is there, obviously, are there any other events or I know, you know, a goal of yours is to bring an event, a big event every year. What are some things that you're focused on that you haven't brought or things that you're trying to keep bringing to the Houston area in the near future? Well, we built a brand new bike park. When I say we, uh, we partnered. It was really um, the North uh, Houston uh, tax incremental zone, um, the TERS, we call it, that built it with their dollars. And um, we just partnered with them to help ensure that we could build it in a way that we'd be able to host um, national and world events. And so we will be hosting the last Olympic qualifying event 
before the LA games out at the new bike park. It's the largest bike park in the world. It's beautiful if you haven't seen it. Um, and, and, and so that's really fun. That'll be different and something that we've never done before. We are talking with the Texans about, okay, when's the next Super Bowl bid that <laughs> we bring back to Houston? Um, and, and then we've got rugby, uh, rugby world cup, um, has been awarded. The women's has been awarded for 2029 to the United States and the men's 2031. And so we hope to be a host city for those as well. We helped get a rugby stadium built um, a few years ago. And so we're really proud of that. And um, yeah, I think there's so much Houston can host. It really, um, it's, you know, the sky's the limit and we just, we're always out there looking for events that um, we think bring great value. We created the Houston Sports Awards, which is a televised event. We raise dollars for scholarships for kids from uh, single uh, family homes, um, single mothers. And those dollars have helped uh, quite a few kids uh, go to college and that event is the glitziest, most glamorous <laughs> event. Um, it's a red carpeted, uh, star studded event. We issue about 150 media credentials and Jose Altuve told us one time, I like this better than the MLB awards. And, <laughs> um, you know, we've had everyone you can think of that come through and and from that we've created the hall of fame and so we have a walk of fame downtown that people can come and and we unveil those sidewalks for our hall of famers and it's just grown into um a, a really year-round big event but that came out of you know watching all of the players that come through houston that retire here in Houston or had made a, a career here in Houston and are still very connected. And um, you name it, Olympians, professional sports players, there are so many that have come through Houston. And so um, being able to honor them as well as showcase kind of all the different sporting events that happen year in and year out here in Houston, that's really where that event came from. And, um, Bregman is going to be our host this year and he's, you know, part of the world <laughs> series champion team. Yes. And so it'll be really fun. Um, but I think again, we have things like that, that we're always talking about behind the scenes, but that came out of really just a need to, to honor this great sports history we have here. Of course. I mean, it's exciting time to be in Houston. Like you said, the Astros just came off a world series, uh, world cup things are going on. Really awesome to be in Houston right now, right? <laughs> yeah, it's really, it is. It's a great time to be in Houston. And, you know, um, I, I'm just, anybody who wants to come out and celebrate with us, we do have tickets um, up on the upper deck of the theater that we allow the public to come. But you'll see them all. Carl Lewis, Mary Lou Retton. I mean, Rudy T's been there. Um, we've had Houston Oilers. I mean, you name it. And they come out because it is, we are a sports town and we should celebrate that big time. Janice, where you're such a big part of the sports community in Houston. So glad you could come on. If you have any advice for those who want to get in sports tourism, what would you give those young professionals? Um, it is a tough field to break into. And so I always say volunteer, um, you know, work, 
whatever you can, wherever you can take a position, even if it's not your ideal position, improve yourself. And, and whatever position you find yourself in, just do it with all your might. Uh, do it with genuine, um, you know, aspiration to just want to do a good job and not be in it for the glamour or, or what you think is uh, the glamour side of it. And do it because you have a passion. Whatever you do in life, really, just do it because you have a passion for it. I couldn't say it any better. And again, thanks so much for coming on the pod, Janice. It was a pleasure. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.